Well, good morning and welcome. To extend the welcome from May, it really is great to be sharing from the Bible this morning, believing that it's as relevant today as it's ever been. And if you're checking us out online and you call yourself a Christian, you're so welcome. And we really hope that as we look to Jesus, there'll be a sense of hope and a source of peace for you this morning. If you've been around Central for many years, I hope you'll be really impressed to see the all-in brick in the shot. But as we heard earlier from the stories around sharing Jesus and Alpha, it's so exciting to see how God is really on the move in our church and across this nation. Tamsin was saying just a few days ago that we have over 21 Alpha courses in place now. Incredible to believe that our church is stepping up and equally people are responding to Jesus. So exciting to see what God is doing amongst us. I was tempted to wear a stick on moustache just to differentiate between the other video, but here I am and it's great to be sharing from the Bible this morning. And as we look to the life of David in the Old Testament, we recognise that there'll be a sense of identity and security that can be found ultimately in Jesus. Perhaps you've been placed on furlough or perhaps you've been struggling with work or finance or family situations, whatever it is. And we want to say to you this morning that our identity and security can be steadfast and secure as we look to Jesus, as we build our life and foundation upon him. And we come to God's word in this new series around the life of David, recognising that there's a whole range of places that we might find ourselves this morning. Perhaps you've been really struggling and we don't want to ignore that. We want to continue to pray for you and pass to you through that. Perhaps you feel that life is back to normality somewhat and you're getting used to the routine. Wherever you are, we want to almost continue as we planned. This series was planned long ago and believe that this truth and these stories around David are so pertinent to where we are as a culture. We're going to open God's word in a moment. So why don't I pray for us and then we'll look to 1 Samuel 16. Lord, let's pray for us now as we look to your word, that it will speak powerfully to us individually and as a church. Amen. So 1 Samuel 16. The Lord said to Samuel, how long will you mourn for Saul since I have rejected him as a king over Israel? Fill your horn with oil and be on your way. I'm sending you to Jesse of Bethlehem. I've chosen one of his sons to be king. But Samuel said, how can I go if Saul hears about it? He will kill me. The Lord said, take a heifer with you and say, if I come to sacrifice the Lord, invite Jesse to the sacrifice and I will show you what to do. You are to anoint for me the one I indicate. Samuel did what the Lord said. When he arrived at Bethlehem, the elders of town trembled when they met him. They asked him, do you come in peace? So Samuel was a prophet and he would have given God's truth and word into situations. So they were trembling because they were worried about God's judgment or his wrath being spoken over them. They were concerned about what Samuel was to share. Samuel replied, yes, in peace I have come to sacrifice the Lord. Consecrate yourselves and come to a sacrifice with me. Then he consecrated Jesse and his sons and invited them to sacrifice. When they arrived, Samuel sought Eliab and fought. Surely the Lord's anointed stands here before the Lord. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Then Jesse called Abnibadab. <laughs> that's how you say it, but that's the best I've got. And had him pass in front of Samuel. But Samuel said, the Lord has not chosen this one either. Jesse then had Shammah pass by, but Samuel said, nor has the Lord chosen this one. Jesse had seven of his sons pass by before Saul, before Samuel, but Samuel said to him, the Lord has not chosen these. So he asked Jesse, are these all the sons you have? 
So Jesse had seven sons that had been passed, Samuel to be up for the anointing of God. And it was understood in that culture that the oldest child would receive the anointing of the oldest boy and it would be passed down in that lineage. So there was an expectation that it would be one of these brothers in age order. There's still the youngest, Jesse answered. He is tending the sheep. Samuel said, send for him. We will not sit down until he arrives. So he sent for him and had him brought in. He was glowing with health and had a fine appearance and handsome features. Then the Lord said, rise and anoint him. This is the one. So Samuel took the horn and oil and anointed him in the presence of his brothers. And from that day on, the spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David. Samuel then went to Ramah. So we see at the outset of this passage that Saul, the previous king, had no longer the anointing and authority that God had placed him. He was no longer the anointed one, the king, and they were looking to be replacing him. And as we look to the story of Saul previous to this, we recognise that God's anointing was on him. God used him in powerful ways. But when Saul left God, God's anointing left Saul. When Saul departed from God, that anointing had left him. And it says, don't look back. Don't mourn too long over the life of Saul. And I think there's a challenge to us that where there's things in the past, individually or as a church, there's a time to grieve, there's a time to process, there's a time to pray over things. There's also a time to move forward. There's a time in our own lives to think, well, because of this happening in my life, I will not allow that to shape my future. God is always a God of the more. He's always a God of what's next. He's always a God who allows our sins and pains and brokenness to be left at the foot of the cross so we can move forward in hope. What do we need to leave at the foot of the cross, collectively and individually? What do we need to bring before God? Our past doesn't determine our future. God does. He wants us to grieve. He wants us to mourn. He wants us to process things with him. There's counselling. There's prayer. There's places and spaces to do that. We leave it with God and move forward at the appropriate time. What does it mean to take responsibility of our past and bring it to God so we can move forward? There's a guy called Mark Sayers who says the danger with consumer culture is we want maximal opinion with minimal responsibility. The danger is you want maximal opinion with minimal responsibility. The reason I say that is the danger for me, the danger for us can be that we want to have views and opinions about how things should happen, how our lives should turn out, how culture should allow itself to progress, how a church should be run, how my life should be organised by God, how my future should unfold, but not allowing the responsibility to say, actually, God, I've dealt with this, this is yours, I leave it with you, and I'm moving forward. I'm leaving that at the foot of the cross. Saul was no longer king, so they had to pick a new king. And as we see in this passage, they picked David, the least of the brothers. He wasn't even called to be at the anointing from Samuel. They had to go and find him, the shepherd boy with the sheep. The least of the least, the last of the brothers was called. He was the one that God anointed. It said that the spirit rested on him. His anointing, his power came from the spirit resting on him. But he was the least likely. It wasn't because of his human gifting or his abilities. It was because of God's anointing. My story, if I'm honest, has frequently been a pendulum swing between thinking I'm actually pretty good, I'm okay with my skills and my talents and God's power, we make a pretty good team. And I can think that I'm okay and I've got what it takes. 
swinging right the other extreme. And this happens all too frequently, if I'm honest, and Adele, my wife, will tell you this, where I think, I haven't got what it takes. I'm not good enough. I'm not talented enough. I'm not intelligent enough. I can't do this. I work for the staff team at Central, as many of you know, and repeatedly I look around the team and think, wow, you guys are so gifted. What do I have to offer? Repeatedly look to others and think, what can I contribute to the kingdom? What we see through the life of David, it's not about gifting or experience or abilities. It's about God. God qualifies the called. He doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies you when he calls you. He gives you the anointing and gives you appropriate gifting and resource to do what he's asked of you. John Wimber famously said, never trust a leader without a limp. We've all got baggage and experience. We move on through the pain, through the joys, through the struggles, with the stuff of the past still hanging on to a certain degree at times. And we come to these situations, recognize it's God's power working through our weakness, his strength working through our weakness. David was called for such a time as this to be the anointed king. Saul's leadership had collapsed and it was now time for a new leader and David stepped up. I wonder now, is it your time? As we think about leading Alpha courses, you might think I'm too old, I'm too young, I'm not gifted enough, I haven't got the identity, I haven't got the experience that's required about of me. You might be thinking a whole range of responses and a whole range of excuses perhaps. I don't have what it takes to be leading an Alpha course. I don't have what it takes to be a follower of Jesus. But is God saying this morning, actually, it's not about your past. It's not about your gifting. It's not about any of that. It's about me placing my anointing on you. It's not about what others say. It's not about what culture says of you. It's not about what your friends say of your past experience or words spoken over you. It's about God's words spoken over you. The people around David clearly didn't see his leadership gifting, but God did. And that was all that mattered. I have a story that I read to my six-year-old and two-year-old about the Wemmicks. Really simple story, but I think it's powerfully profound. The story is about these Wemmicks, which is wooden figures, and they live in the world of Wemmicks. And they go around, and what happens is, if they're good Wemmicks, they have gold stars placed on them. If they muck up or make mistakes, they have black dots on them. So in this world, they have the range of some Wemmicks with loads of gold marks on them, and they have a really good Wemmicks, and they might only have a few black dots. Perhaps there's some with all gold marks. You know, it's really annoying people who seem to be good at everything. I hate those people. I'm joking, but it's just, I'm just jealous. And then there's others who have more black dots and less gold, right through to those who just seem to have just black dots. And a reflection on society, how some people are more gifting and some people seem to have things always go right for them and some people seem to constantly put their foot in it and make mistakes and don't have the gifting, etc., etc. And then one of the Wemmicks finds the chief Wemmick and he says to the chief Wemmick, how come you haven't got any black dots or any gold marks on you? And the chief Wemmick says to Wemmick, you need to go and meet the creator. These wooden, um, these wooden features I had to go meet their creator and say, look, find out why I haven't got any gold marks or black marks on me. And they go to the creator, the one who made these Wemmicks. And he says, the reason the chief Wemmick hasn't got any of these gold marks or black marks on the Wemmick is because he realises they only stick to you if you believe in them. They only stick to you if you believe in them. And the challenge to me, the challenge to us, 
is not to rest our identity and security in what others say, or even the voices on our head that say we're not good enough, but to rest it on what God says about us. And he's the one that calls you, he's the one that anoints you. Not because you're the right age, not because you've got the right gifting, the right experience, not because you've got the right knowledge, but because he's called you. You might be the least of the least of the least of the least, but God's got a plan for you. And the fact that God would not only choose me, but would want to use me for his kingdom blows me away. Now is your time, brothers and sisters, to believe that God has plans for you, that your security and identity isn't rooted in what others say or culture or the world around you, but in Jesus. And it might be that you've had years of challenging situations. It might feel like everything has gone wrong for you. But in the same way that David was trained in the lonely places, the boring places, the hard places, the hidden places, looking after the sheep. That's all preparation for what God has got for you. He's got great plans for you. And it comes from the years of preparation. Nothing is wasted with God. Our authority comes from our identity. Our identity comes from God. You see, because we see very clearly in this passage, but what God is after is our heart. Let me reread that verse again. People look at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. What matters is what's in the heart. It doesn't matter what others perceive. It doesn't matter what others say. It doesn't matter what your CV has written on it. God looks to your heart. He's interested in a humble heart, a teachable heart, a dependable heart. Is your heart open to God? Does your heart become hard and you need to soften it this morning before God? It says throughout scripture, God gives grace to the humble and opposes the proud. Wow, he opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. All he's after is your humility and dependence on him. I'm only 36, I haven't got a wealth of knowledge or experience by any stretch, but I've seen many leaders who by the world standards have never quite realised their full potential because they believe that their human gifting is what carried them but haven't worked at allowing God to speak and shape, speak into and shape their heart. And equally, I can think of young people who I've invested in over years who have just been so dependent on God that God's done truly incredible things in and through them. God gives grace to the humble but opposes the proud. How is your heart? Are you open to God this morning? Because you see, what we see very clearly as we look through scripture is that the line of David, as we know at Christmas, is where Jesus is coming from. Jesus is in the line of David. The ultimate purpose of David's life is to point others towards Jesus. He had an up and down life. It gives hope to us because he sinned moment, he sinned monumentally. He did some crazy stuff, but God used him so powerfully because he was in the lineage of the son of God. Guys, now is your time. Now is our time. Now is the time for the church to step up. As the world around us is asking questions, as the world around us is searching, for those of us who follow Jesus, there's an opportunity to say, I've got the answers. Not because I have them, but because I know Jesus and he's got the answers. The church in all its beauty feeding those who are without food, serving those who are lonely, loving those who are on the margins, helping those who are lost and vulnerable and ultimately sharing the good news of Jesus. 
And equally, if you're watching this morning and you're not a believer and you wouldn't call yourself a follower of Jesus, there is such identity and security in Jesus available to you. Not because of anything you've done, not because of anything you deserve, because of what he did on the cross. David had anointing from God, the spirit rested on him, not because of who he was, but because of who God was. Not because of anything he did, but because of what God did on the cross. Guys, now is our moment, now is our time. So much has been stripped back in culture, so much has been taken away. So much of the noise we used to is no longer there. But God says, come to me, listen to me, allow your heart to be open to what I want to say to you. Let me pray for us. Lord, I pray simply that our hearts would be open to you. For those of you, for those of us who don't know you, I pray that you would speak profoundly and powerfully to us right now. And for those of us who do know you, I pray that any baggage or hurt or reasons why we aren't able to lead in our own heads or the opinions of others will be left at the cross and we will know a new anointing and power in you. I pray for humble hearts for all the people watching this morning. Amen.